Today's episode is brought to you by Create Engage, the digital marketing agency for the disruptive management consultancy. Digital marketing has moved forwards, but most consulting firms haven't. Many consulting firms still see their corporate blog as their sole digital marketing channel and find themselves frustrated when these blogs yield little, if any, results. For those consultancies that understand digital marketing, though, it can be a huge asset and help them achieve rapid business growth. In fact, at Create Engage, we've recently written a case study of one successful consulting firm that used digital marketing to help them grow over 400% in just three years. Having spent countless hours researching consulting firms and consulting leaders for this podcast, it became very clear that while some firms do digital marketing well, the vast majority of consulting firms struggle to leverage its power and don't know where to start. To help those of you who want to harness the power of digital marketing to grow your consulting business, but don't have the knowledge, capacity, or in-house capability to do so, I launched Create Engage, the first digital marketing agency for the management consulting industry. As former consultants ourselves, we understand the challenges that you face when it comes to delivering effective digital marketing that engages prospective clients and generates leads. Having worked in the industry, we understand consulting buyers, what resonates with them and what doesn't. This enables us to harness the latest in digital marketing in a way that aligns with your brand and your market positioning to attract the prospective clients that you're looking to target. We understand that each consultancy is unique and have a range of services to help you shape, implement and sustain effective digital marketing strategies that deliver results, regardless of where you are on your digital marketing journey. If you would like to find out more about how Create Engage can help you use digital marketing to take your business to the next level, then send me an email at nick at createengage.co.uk or go to our website, createengage.co.uk, where you can download that free case study that breaks down the digital marketing strategies used by one successful consulting firm to help them grow over 400% in just three years and gives you the secrets they used so that you can apply them in your own firm. If you want to outpace your competitors and stand out in the crowded consulting market, then get in touch. We'd love to help you grow your business through digital marketing. Hi, and welcome to Climbing Consulting. Firstly, for regular listeners, you may have noticed that over the last couple of months, the regularity of the show has reduced a little. I'm sure you've wondered why this is, so I wanted to explain the reasons and reassure you that the series is very much continuing. So there's two key reasons for this. Firstly is just in my pursuit of getting you the best guests, I have had a few setbacks, a few challenges and a few diary issues, which I'll explain in a moment. And the second is quite simply everything that's going on with Create Engage, my digital marketing agency. So firstly, on the guest side, as is life, we have had a few last minute cancellations, delays, postponements of interviews with some really impressive guests from some great consultancies and places that I know you have messaged me to ask for guests from. Now, the challenge I've got is, especially as we get into some of the larger firms, it just takes time to get these interviews in. Potentially compliance departments need to be involved, schedules need to be managed. There are a lot more variables, which mean that interviews can come in and out of the diary very quickly. And what that results to is, unfortunately, there have been times when I could have a month full of guest interviews ready to go, ready to record, and just like that, suddenly they've all been moved and I've had to rearrange them or I've got one left. And 
That is one of the big challenges of going for some of the larger firms, some of the more established firms that I'm trying to get for you because I know how keen you are to hear from them. But it just means that some of these interviews are taking a little longer to get in the diary. Now, it's worth saying that I do have some great guests lined up for you, some really exciting guests and guests from consultancies that you've been asking for for a long time now. It's taken me a long time to get them, but really excited to share those with you. They're lined up, they're booked in the diary to record, and you will be getting those interviews ASAP. The second reason for the slight reduction in frequency is quite simply that everything has been going rather well with Create Engage. And in between growing the business, delivering for our clients and hiring for the team, there's only so many hours in the day. And while I say that, as you know, if you listen to this, if you have seen any of my content on LinkedIn, I'm a huge believer that you can and you should make time for content creation. And so the easy thing for me to do here would be to completely mothball the podcast and not do it. But I think that'd be a terrible waste for my guests, a terrible waste for you as listeners. And I'm really keen to keep this going for as long as I can and as long as you're enjoying it. So that's a really long-winded way of saying that I will be keeping it up. I hope that gives you a little bit more context and reassurance that climbing is still very much alive and kicking and still very much a core part of everything I'm doing. It's worth saying as well, I'm actually in the process of bringing another team member into Create Engage, and we should then be in a great place come the latter part of the year to really ramp back up and bring you even more great guests to learn from. Just to say to those of you who have, thank you very much for suggesting guests and recommending guests for me to get on. It means a lot to hear from you, and I love your suggestions because it means they will be great guests for the show. Likewise, if you're listening to this and you have thought, oh, the person I work for or this person in the industry would be amazing to hear from, and you are on the fence, drop me a message because it is always easier for me to get a guest on the show if I have someone who has recommended them first. So with all that said, what is today's episode? Who is today's guest? Well, early on in the series, I did a recap episode where I shared the career advice from all of my guests up to that point in one consolidated episode. This got a great response. So I wanted to do that again, to share the advice of 14 of my great guests who have been on the show since that first advice episode. So in this episode, you will hear the career advice from Jeff Wellstead, David Lancefield, Matt Rogan, Tony Rustell, Andrew Denton, Karina Brown and James Stitchbury, Guillaume Power, Seb Chambers, Michael Zapersky, Harry Gaskell, Adil Khan, Lindsay Oliver, Charles Vivian and Michael Marnie sharing their career advice for you whether you are just entering the industry, you're climbing the career ladder or maybe you're just on the cusp of making partner. I find the answer to these questions hugely powerful, and I know that many of you do too. So I hope you enjoy having them all in one place to listen to and learn from. Appreciate that was a long intro, but hopefully it has given you some comfort, answered some questions you might have had. If you have any other questions, drop me an email. It's nick at climbingconsulting.com. So without further ado, please enjoy today's special compilation episode of Climbing Consulting. So for the, the person who's just coming in, my advice is swallow your pride. What you don't know is a lot. Uh, as as a, that great quote uh, from Olympia Dukakis and Moonstruck, right? What you don't know is a lot. 
I'm almost kind of talking to my own uh, early stage self here because I was <laughs> full of pride and I was full of, I got all the answers. I just came out of university. I know everything. And what you people don't know is a lot and you can learn from me. And of course, I got a good battering right up front at Arthur Anderson in particular is where I recall doing that. Listen to what you're being told. Do what you're being asked to do. Learn in every facet of your job, even if that involves take this box of papers down to the shredder and and sort it all out. You know what? Find out what's in those pages. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or just do it at speed. You know, get efficient with the shredder. I mean, do just learn a million little things along the way and become become a utility. Let people see you as being somebody who gets things done at speed and who doesn't ask too many questions and doesn't isn't too full of himself. That's all you want to accomplish early days. The second stage, I think, is where you clearly want to have been asking questions along the way. You will have found yourself a mentor by now and getting support from a career perspective uh, to get smarter and smarter. Ask that person all the questions you need to ask. Otherwise, make sure that you're just clear on what it is you are being asked to do. Don't ever assume that you think you've got this and produce the wrong thing for the partner or manager who's asking you to deliver it. Always be inquisitive and curious, but never a pain in the butt at the backside. Be that person who questions when there is a concern about the quality of the deliverable to the customer and is otherwise all about the team that they're working with and in support of the mission, which is let's have the best possible outcome for the customer and let's continue building on our reputation as a consultancy. So that's a, again, that middle layer where you've gotten smarter about things, but you just now need to kind of be adding value both to your internal team, but also to your external client. In terms of just about to kind of consider the partner launch or leap, I should say, I think what you want to do there is make sure that you take a good, long, hard look at the organization you're about to do it with. Typically, you're you're extraordinarily well-versed um, in terms of that, that company's values, in terms of its reputation, in terms of where it's headed. But listen, even the best, <laughs> including the company I, I originally started my career with, Arthur Anderson, they can fall to some pretty serious behaviors that possibly turn the company sideways. This has happened arguably to every big four. I'm sure McKinsey and Boston Consulting Group and a bunch of others have suffered these things along the way as well, errant behavior, possibly on, on the back of rogue uh, characters. But just make sure you know what you're signing up for. You're about basically to sign your career and your and your life away, basically, from an equity perspective and from a brand loyalty perspective to this organization. So make sure this is right for you in terms of, yes, the reputational elements, but also for your own value system and make sure you're, you know, you will be happy to commit and, uh, and really throw yourself at the longevity of this company and the people within it and that you are going to kind of possess those leadership capabilities and skills that are ultimately going to get you through that with success. So it's, it's a deep down life changing decision and make sure that you're ready for that one. And again, I would always rely on external mentors and or coaches to make sure that you double check yourself and that the voice inside your head is telling you what you need to hear, but importantly, voices outside are aligning with that. I think there's more commonalities and difference, just to be a bit different, just to be challenging. Please. One bit of advice, I'll break the rules. I like breaking the rules. Curiosity. Curiosity is, is critical. Curiosity around about yourself, being curious about who you are as a person and the strengths you have. So there's an inner curiosity and there's a curiosity around 
what's compelling, what's working, what's whether it's within your clients, your context, the people around you. And that means you have to use all your senses. And what people I find, partly people coming into the business, sometimes they're sort of curious, but they get into one particular area and then they, they forget looking at elsewhere. Or you get into the middle of your career and you sort of, you get stung and say, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm, and you say, well, okay, but there's, there's, but there's a wave of disruption coming on here or that point earlier about the future. And they've lost that curiosity. Or when they come to partner, there's something about, it happens rarely, but I do see it sometimes in a number of organizations around, you think because you sort of made it that you don't need to keep learning. And it's like now you're just sort of sweating the asset. You're just pushing it out, you know, pushing the product and getting out into the, out into the market and being really hard and macho and all those things. And it's like you need a bit of that. But the curiosity say, you know what, actually there's a new way of doing things. One of the best bits of advice I got was from somebody, a partner many years ago, he said to me, at the end of a day or a week, just keep asking yourself, should you be doing that? Should you be doing that? There has to be a better way which means you can then move up to go back to the disruption thing. You can then move up the value chain, if you like, yourself, because you can get somebody else to do something you've done before. You can only do that if you have a learning mind mindset, growth mindset, and a learning capability and a, and a curiosity. So the CQ is as important, so the curiosity quotient is as important as the IQ and EQ that everybody talks about. At a starting out stage, I think it would be a phrase that a mate of mine coined, I believe, which is a guy called Greg Searle, who also worked with at Lane 4, age 38, decided to go back and try and win his second Olympic gold medal, having been a five-a-side playing dad for the best part of 10 years since winning his first one. He said that when he went back, the temptation was just to row really quick, try and get as fit as the the young whippersnappers immediately. But he realized that unless he focused and honed in on technique and things, when times get tough, Mm. he'd fall apart because he was a lot older so he coined the phrase go slow go fast and i find myself talking to our newer hires a lot in that regard Mm. so actually whether you get promoted inverted commas six months ahead of your peer group six months behind or about on track is completely irrelevant what's more important is that you're filling in the gaps in your knowledge and experience based on your degree and and Mm. bits you still have to fill and that you start to get a sense of what you want your 18 months to five years trajectory to look like and understand where your sweet spots are going to be. So, for example, I was told very early on in my career by a guy called Steve Hacking, who runs Cardland Training now, that I was a so-so analyst, but I'd be a bloody good partner. I just needed to get there. <laughs> he was right. You know, my QC was slightly dicey. And I think it's just it's not one of those industries consulting where mm. the rock stars a year and a half in are necessarily going to be the best, mm. highest potential in the long term. So that's starting out four or five years in, I think I'd say, are you going to be a consulting lifer? And if you're going to be a consulting lifer, great and good. Mm. If you don't see yourself being a, a consulting lifer, in order to stay in consulting, you have to be getting experience where you and not somebody three steps out of the food chain are succeeding and failing and learning from it and getting hard experience as an operator as well as a consultant. That might be leading project teams. That might be doing a secondment for six months. That's just getting yourself a little bit of, of hard experience because what we notice are when we look at people five, six years in who've purely been in consulting, actually they can't do. They can think, but they can't do. And that's quite a tough skill to pick up yeah. if you live your life in PowerPoint. 
and then at the approaching partner stage, I think I'd say it's that point really on you, you will have been promoted, I imagine, as a result of being transactionally brilliant. And maybe you've helped out a recruitment or maybe you take an overview of an industry practice or something. But again, you won't necessarily, if you come up through that environment, you won't necessarily have done. Mm. So what kind of a partner do you aspire to be? Are you going to be the ultimate rainmaker? Are you going to be an operator who manages the P&L and profit share amongst partners? What, what's your functional purpose going to be? Mm. And how do you fill in the gaps before you get there? So if I start with the, the new joiners, and I would say actually this extends beyond consulting. It's as true in my current business as it, as it was in a consulting firm. It's to appreciate as quickly as you can that one of the main values you provide is being someone that tasks can be delegated to that free up the time of the people more senior than you. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is there are a lot of people go into consulting and need quite a bit of hand-holding. And, you know, maybe they, they deliver back work that isn't perfect first time and the project manager has to, you know, then invest time in polishing that work, correcting things, you know, whatever it might be. Or the, the junior person actually becomes a time drain on, on their project manager because they're actually going and asking them for help about things that, you know, a little bit of Google research, they actually could have found that answer and not needed to, to, to trouble that person. There's a fine line between spending time with the more senior people in, in your team that, that you get noticed and that you learn from them. But I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest differentiators I've seen between people who've, whose careers really taken off quickly in a consulting firm versus those that have just kind of progressed more or less at the pace of everyone else. It's really those people that, you know, you give them a, a part of the consulting project that needs to be delivered. You set them a deadline that is, you know, two weeks from now, and you can go away and sleep comfortably knowing that you're going to get what you asked for back in two weeks. And it's going to be ready to present to the client pretty much as it is. And if you can if you can do that as quickly as you can in your consulting career, you then make yourself someone that people will fight to have on their consulting project team mm. because they really view you as someone they, that's dependable, that they can hand something off to and know they're going to get it back, you know, to the standard that's needed. Whereas if you don't, if you don't quite take that initiative, that then you're always as much of a burden on, on the project managers as you are, you know, a, an asset. Really simple bit of advice, but I've seen it pay off a lot in consulting. Certainly, you know, now in my, my social media agency, and I'm very fortunate we've got a really good team, but each person knows that our business is constrained in how fast it can grow if I have to be involved in every client project and every client decision that gets taken. They equally know that if they can only turn to me when they, you know, really need input, that that massively frees up you know, my time to grow the business and train people and just make, you know, more of a success of the business. So rambled on for a bit there, but yeah, that would, that would be my advice for, you know, for your new joiners. 
for those that are sort of, as you said, four or five years in, which was give or take the kind of level that, that I moved out of Rodenberger, I would say look ahead and build your network. Ideally, try and figure out what industry you would like to be, you know, become a specialist in. What is your niche area of expertise going to be as you progress further up the consulting ladder? And just start trying to build your network as quickly as you can in that particular space. Because I, I think without question that the most difficult jump to make in a consulting firm is going from being good at delivering consulting work to being someone that actually contributes to the, the business winning new consulting clients. And so the the thing you can do, you know, at that stage of your career that really will set you apart from other people of a similar level is to make that step that means that you're going to have more of a network, more contacts, more people you can get meetings with, talk to when you get to that point that you need to start selling. So that'll be my advice for someone at, at the mid-levels. And at the senior levels, I mean, I think of the best consulting partners or those trying to make it to become a partner at the next promotion round. And the the best ones were the ones that the rest of the consulting team loved working for. Mm. We We would happily stay up and work into the night. We would happily work a weekend for that person because they were one of the team. We, you know, we really related to them. We knew that they wouldn't be asking us to do that unless it was absolutely critical. And I, I sort of compare and contrast in the consulting industry. You've got some people approaching partner level who've had to work long hours and weekends and, and feel like they can, you know, it's almost a rite of passage mm. that everyone else should have to do that yeah. to get to where they've got to in their career. And then you've got others that actually really value your time, you as a person. And and yeah, it's a huge, huge differentiator there. So it's hard to translate what that actually means you should be doing in practice, but but think about, you know, how many people would actually want to go for a, a meal with you? How many people would willingly come in this weekend not because it's going to help them get promoted not because it's going to help them secure their bonus but because the relationship you've got with them means that they wouldn't want to let you down mm. and if you i think if you can get to that point as a you know a consulting partner or or someone approaching being partner that's really set you up for you know for success it's also set you up to be able to leave that firm and go and set up your own business and lots of clients and lots of consultants, you know, wanting to get move with you. So, yeah, valuable for all sorts of reasons. The young one, back yourself and shut up. The senior consultant, stop backing yourself so much. Hubris is dangerous. Shut up. <laughs> um, the person approaching partnership... I'm assuming that I don't particularly need to give them any career mentoring. So I would simply, I would ask them what steps they think that they need to take and suggest that they take them in order to be proud of what they do as well as successful. Because ultimately, again, you know, you do everything for a business reason, but 
But if you if you take pride in what you do and you can be proud of what you do, then there's longevity in what you do because you'll want to do it. I want to work here. I get paid, and that's great, but I want to work here. And and as a senior person within any organization, you want to do that. I'm sure there are others, but hopefully that's a pithy. Okay, we'll take it in turns. Let's see how this goes. So to the person just starting their career in consulting, I think probably two things. Be a sponge. And all the, all the new experiences, all the things that get thrown your way, soak them up and just try out, try out new things. And that's one of the beauties of consulting is that ability to try out different projects, try out different industries and, and see what, what, peaks, what peaks the interest. And the second one, I suppose, would be meet as many interesting people as you can and try and learn from them and work with them. So the person that's four to five years into their career, interestingly, quite like a high risk of leaving this particular segment of people in organisations. But I think, you know, at this point, you know, they've really established the foundations of their career, built up some core skills, which mean they can, you know, really add value in their organisation and beyond. I think it's, wor- it's, a, it's a worthy time because they've got enough experience under their belt to reflect on what it is they really love about work, what they don't love about work, where they can really apply their skills to kind of be their best self in their organisation. I think at that point in time, they have enough data points, if you like, to reflect on that and therefore um, make a really informed choice about where they're going to invest next in their, in their career. For someone approaching partner, I feel a bit nervous. I feel unqualified <laughs> to give any advice to someone at part level, but maybe being humble enough to learn from people in your team. And I think more than ever where jobs exist today that didn't exist five years ago and kids are learning to code in schools and we are going to, cons- all of us, be constantly needing to reinvent our careers and reskill. Yeah, have it, having the humility to know that even with all that amazing experience, there are things to learn from even the most junior person in the organisation. I don't know if that's a bit controversial. <laughs> so the, the last one was someone who has an idea in their business. I'm not sure I'm qualified for this one. <laughs> well, as someone who, yeah, someone who was in your shoes two and a half years ago. Yeah. So take experiments, you know, while you are, I think, still in the, the safety of your organisation. And an experiment can be anything from doing a number of kind of problem interviews, for example, with, with, with people in the area of your potential idea or spinning up a really simple really simple MVP. There's just so much opportunity now with some of these sort of tools that are out there to to take very small steps to test and prove an idea before you take dramatic steps. And then second to that I think is is really kind of nurture the relationships and the network that you might need to take that forward. I just I, I just think one of our the biggest things that's helped us is the relationships we probably built five, six years ago that we're that are sort of the ones that are really helping us along the way now as well. So I think nurturing relationships um, that you know, might help you with your next steps are really important too. So somebody starting out in consulting, I would say be you and be unique. Yeah, embrace your differences and don't conform, firstly. But at the same time, make sure you bloody deliver and you learn every single day because there is so much to be learned in these organisations. In my years at PwC, I've taken so much away, but you have to be open and willing to learn and go above and beyond. Because if you don't, then you don't want to be one of many. You know, stand out, but for the right reasons. So I'd say embrace your differences, learn, 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 and build long-lasting relationships from day one. So that's my advice there. For somebody who's a couple of years in, 
My key thing there is I would say firstly check in of how happy you are. Are you one of those people and you might not be? Do you love what you do? Because people say, oh, not everybody can love what you do. You can, I'm sorry. There are sacrifices every single day. I know that. We don't love every second. But generally speaking, just to check in and say, am I really still happy of where I am? Am I still on the right career trajectory of where I want to be? It's probably a couple of years since maybe they've done a five-year plan. And one of my advisors from actually Ernst & Young Partner, who's just joined my advisory board, said to me, Gian, where are you going to be when you're 35? And... You know, somebody hasn't asked me that question for a while. So I would say, check in where you want to be in five years time. And are you still happy now? And are you on track for where you want to be in five years? If not, then get doing that happy list and start making some changes. And if you are, then happy, happy days and continue learning. And finally, for somebody, I guess, whether that's director, approaching partner, my key thing here is questioning your legacy. And by that, I mean... As and when, if you're going to make partner and then eventually you'll leave an organisation, you'll retire. I've met so many people now who've retired, partners I'm very close to who've retired and we still catch up. Um, and I think my key thing there is what do you want to be known for? So as you approach the, I'm not saying, well, it is part of the final chapter of your career in that organisation, let's say. What do you want to be known for? What's your legacy? What makes you stand out? And when you leave that you don't want to, again, be one of many, people want to reflect on you and think, wow, he or she made a difference to this organisation in this respect. And I think have a good hard think about that, of what your legacy is. So I'd say the first one, learn what you enjoy. And the second one, work with other people who enjoy the things you don't enjoy so that you can spend more time on the stuff you do enjoy. And I think for the person on the cusp of becoming partner, I would say it's a re- this is a really difficult point in your career. It does get it gets better from here and just keep keep persevering because they'll have already learned about what they enjoy, learned about how to work with other people. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd say to all of them, keep daydreaming because... Uh, If you don't daydream, you don't visualise the future. If you don't do that, you're not going to get there. All right, so the first you said is someone who has recently graduated from university. Yeah. And and you want this to be in the context of them becoming successful consultants or just in life in general? Ooh, take it how you wish, I think. I'll I'll let you decide the more interesting answer. Yeah, okay. Well, I think, yeah, for... You know, when I went back to my university as part of kind of an alumni panel, what I shared with with people is that I think it's really important, you know, when you're young, you have a lot of pressure from society and family and, and friends and those just around you to to follow a specific path, that there is a right path to follow. And I don't believe that there is. My observation and experience is that, you know, even if you have a late start in one area, whether it's academics or, or sports, or whatever it might be, you can always make up for it. You can always, you know, accelerate past even where others are. So I would say, you know, allow yourself the freedom to, to explore, to follow your, your true kind of desires and passion, even if it's not the typical path that others are recommending for you. I mean, this is one of the beautiful things about life. If we're privileged to just have choice then that's something that, that we shouldn't give up just because society or someone in our family thinks we should go you know, about it a certain way. That being said, I'm not 
recommending or suggesting that people just go and party and, you know, and go wild. But I do think that if you really are interested in something that you should allow yourself to explore it because you're never going to get the time that you have back. So, so enjoy it. Second one you said was someone now who's maybe four to five years into working as a consultant. Yeah. I would say really start to, to work to master your craft. And what I mean by that is rather than just being a generalist, this is a great time if you can start to really figure out what you want to accomplish and what you want to be known for you'll still be way ahead of most people. Most people don't get there at that stage. They're, just, they're still following society's kind of you know, path or, or what they've been told to do. And so if you, at that stage, you know, if you're in your early 20s and you have a sense of really what you want to accomplish, you can become a true master. You can become, you know, unless it's athletics, it might be a little bit hard in, in, certain, in certain fields to, to compete because our bodies change quite quickly. But in, you know, in the business world, you know, pick an area of consulting, pick a, a specialization that you truly enjoy, even if it doesn't seem like it's the most profitable right away, or even if it's something that your firm doesn't do, you know, study it on the side because generalists are, are not as desirable as specialists. And I think that'll continue to be true, you know, well into the future. And so if you really focus on area of, of speciality and become a master at that, I think you'll have uh, plenty of opportunities in the future. Now, your third is someone who is, you know, becoming, looking to become partner in a consulting firm. My advice to them, I mean, there's so many different things here. And obviously without knowing someone's situation, giving, giving advice, I feel like a doctor who is giving a prescription to, to a patient without asking them what's wrong. It's, it's very hard to, to prescribe. And, you know, in many places you would get sued for malpractice if you did that, but I'm going to roll with, with the punches here, Nick, and kind of go with, with the flow. And, and what I would say, you know, what first comes to mind to me for someone at that stage in their life is just to ask the question of, you know, really what is most meaningful for you in life? Because I think far too often people who are successful spend too much time working or doing things that, that aren't really what they want to be doing. You know, they neglect their family, they neglect their children, they neglect their health. And these are things that we, we can't get back. You know, you can always make more money. Money, there's plenty of money. And the reality is that when you die, you can't take that money with you. You'll never hear someone on their deathbed say, oh, I wish I made more money. They never say that. They say, mm -hmm. I wish I spent more time with my children. I wish I spent more time you know, teaching and sharing and, and helping others, or I wish that I didn't hold back doing something that I really wanted to do, but I didn't do it because someone said that I shouldn't or couldn't do it. These are the things that we regret. And what I try and practice in my life, and I'm certainly not a master at it, and I think it'll take me many more years to, to get to where I want to be at it. But what I've observed to be of great benefit is to try and live without regrets. And I do that by putting my family first and trying to spend plenty of time, you know, with my daughter and, and making sure that when I'm making a decision of where I'm going to go or what am I going to do or how am I going to spend my time, it's, it's filtered through my criteria for what a meaningful life is and, and mm -hmm. what is important to me. So that would be what I would say to that person. Now, the fourth person you mentioned is the independent consultant running their own firm. Or someone looking to go out on their own. So someone who's either... Let's let's say they've they've decided to. So we've we've talked a bit before about what helped people, but yeah, they they've decided they're going out on their own. 
So yeah, this will be a little bit of repetition, but the first thing that they should do is make a list of who their ideal clients are, or at least they believe to be, as well as a list of potential referral sources and industry influencers and set up meetings with those people. Be relentless, do whatever you need to do to, to have those conversations because those conversations will be far more valuable than anything you will read in a book and anything that you can do by yourself at your computer. Well, let me, let me kind of do it in reverse order, if, that, if that's of course. Right. I mean, the, the person approaching partner, what I'd say to them is, is you know, the, the way you're going to be measured is, is on is, are you building our business? So not, not are you doing good projects or, or you know, uh, can you sell to clients, but are you building our business? I mean, are, are you sustainably generating a bit, of, a bit of our business that will go on to contribute for, for a decade to come? That's, that's, that's what a partner is. And people often miss that point. They think it's actually about individual sales or clients or teams. It's, it's not, actually. The question is, are you building our business? If you are, we'll make you a partner. And if you're not, we won't. So that, that's, the, that's kind of the thing to, to focus on. I think in the middle point of your career, it, it really is what you've probably done in the first part of your career is, is you built, you've, you've done the basics, you've done the field work, and you've probably built some expertise somewhere, you know, technology or supply chain or strategy or something like that. So the, then, then the advice is, and so what's, what, where's the breadth? To go along with all of that detailed expertise, where's the breadth? Because when it comes to influencing senior clients, they, they're, not, they're going to take the depth as read, quite frankly. You know, when you walk through the door with an EY brand, they, they're going to assume you've got all that. So yeah. they're not going to examine you on that. But what they're going to be interested in is have you got the breadth to understand their business challenges, their personal situation? So how are you going to, how are you going to develop breadth? When you're just entering consultancy, what I'd say is, is you know, absorb the stuff we're going to teach you we're going to, because we are going to, we're going to be very good at teaching you the basics, the field craft, if you like. But from the start, think about how could we do this better? Because you will have a unique perspective. You've not got used to doing it the traditional way. Yeah. You know, you're not yet been brainwashed. So how could we do this better? And most of the good ideas I, I get for how to change our business and improve our business come from people in their first couple of years. So be continually from day one thinking about how you change the thing you've just joined. For the ones who are just starting out, I'd, I'd encourage them to throw themselves into the deep end and not be afraid of swallowing all that chlorinated water. <laughs> um, but just throw yourself into the deep end. Mm. And if you're joining the right company with the right culture, there'll be enough people there to rescue you and mm. help set you up for success. Of course, if you're willing to throw yourself into the deep end and be willing to take the pain, and with the pain comes the reward, comes the learning, both personal and professional learning. So that's that would be my advice. But make sure you join the right firm. Make sure you understand what works for you. But of course, in those younger years, it's so difficult. So just throw yourself into the deep end and try it out. And you can always leave if it doesn't work or doesn't work for you. So just do it. Is it would be would be my advice for the ones who are just starting out. For the manager, great people. I I'm I've always been a firm believer in playing to your strengths. By the time you reach manager grade, you should be quite cognizant of your key strengths, stuff which really sets you apart. And that is the perfect level, the perfect grade to put together a journey plan, a career plan, which builds and consolidates on those strengths. 
And of course, that shouldn't prevent you from building what we used to call horizontal competencies, building deeper legs in those competencies whilst you're accumulating knowledge and experience or problem solving, facilitation, workshopping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the manager grade, be clear about what's going to set you apart for the next three to five years and what you will be known for. Really, really important, both in small as well as large organizations. Mm. Really key. Start asking yourself that question at manager grade. What do people reach out to me for? What am I really good at? What do clients really love me for? And keep building on those strengths because that will really set you up for success. And of course, at that grade, you must also start building a strong network of coaches and mentors. And a lot of people say, yes, I have a coach, etc. I used to have several coaches and mentors, and that's what I recommend. Go to different people for different type of coaching and mentorship, and that's a good time to start building your network of sponsors and coaches and mentors. For someone who is about to embark on an ownership or partnership, well, the first thing I'd encourage all, anyone who is at partner level is not to forget what it was like when they first started the journey. Really, really important for them. And don't forget that in people organizations, it is all about the people. And as we said earlier, the thing they respect most is time with leadership. So these are things they shouldn't forget. But for someone who's about to potentially embark on an equity program, set up independently, etc., make sure you it's starting a consulting firm is no different to any other startup. It's a roller coaster. It's laden with risk more risk than you could possibly have imagined. It's going to be a tumultuous, volatile, emotional journey. So be prepared with that. And typically at partner level, if you have a partner at home, you need to make sure they're on that journey with you and they're ready for what's coming. Absolutely essential for you not to make that decision just independently, but make sure everyone at home is on is going to be they realize what you're actually undertaking. Starting out, be courageous. Four to five years in, be unique. Partner, be curious. And I can expand on my reasons why for all of those. But I mean, the, the last point in particular, be curious. And we believe, so I am going to have a paragraph just <laughs> to highlight that one. We believe that the people at the top know all of the answers. And they know best because they've got there. The best leaders at the top know that they don't know the answers and they can embrace not knowing, they can embrace not being the expert and they can embrace the fact that actually other people may have better answers than themselves, which is why Be Curious for me is they make the decisions, but they mine for the uniqueness and the difference and the diversity and are just the best leaders that they can possibly be but they don't have to know the answer. This is going to make me sound very old school. So the, with the, the first person, so that person maybe starting out on their career, I often think about the advice I'll give to my children. So they're 12 and nine, so a bit, bit earlier in life. But I do believe in the value of getting a, um, a base set of skills, transferable skills or a professional qualification. And I think it, it's back to my experience. And I I always think that there's value, and this is going to sound dreadfully old school, but you look at the number of CEOs in the FTSE 250 that have trained as accountants. 
And I think particularly if you want to be a business leader, understanding the um, commercial and financial side of a business, I think that's re really important. So it, it will sound boring, but if my kids said to me, what do you, I, I would recommend, you know, I'd advise my kids if they said, what do you want, what should I do? I would possibly go and say train as an accountant and then use that as a, a base skill. So not, it, not a surveyor. It sounds, not a surveyor. It sounds dreadfully dull, but I, I think there's something in um, trying try to acquire a base, base set of skills and some experience and expertise that, that probably has some value and could be a foundation for you. I think, and, and you use the word for the person in the middle, I think that is a big career crossroads and it's about, it is about commitment. I use that for the third category person, but I think you have to decide, am, am I committed to this? And go forward, or or I might not, because it can quite often be a bit of a, a gap to cross and a bit of a desert. And I, I think there's a there's a piece around that, and also giving them line of sight to where it, how it might unfold and where it might lead to. So you can get some people to talk about their because quite often at that point in time you can't you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. So helping people understand that, so I think it's a piece around that. And then the person who is clearly committed, who's nearly in equity. I mean, what advice would I give them? Probably don't have an answer to that question. It's a difficult one. I mean, I think you, you again, were a commercial business. So I think don't, at the importance of building your own sustainable book of business, uh, building some followership, building some people beneath you that can help you be successful and you're helping them be successful. I think at that level, you're more dependent on others for your success than you are yourself. So I think the importance of teaming is, uh, teaming is really important. So potentially something around that. For the first chap, I would uh, parody Mr. Kennedy and say, do not ask what your company can do for you, ask what you can do for your company. And what I mean by that is, take on everything. So I think uh, people entering consultancy, sometimes be worried about what job they're gonna do, what's happening, they think too much about it. What I say is grab everything, because in any assignment, you can find the good in it. Don't look for why it's not for you. So don't be too picky is what I'd say to the first people. Who's the second guy? Uh, so that would be a manager. So some, sort of the most junior person in your, mm. you know, a, a Barclay you'd hire. Yeah, so, so I'd, say, I'd say there, start working on your soft skills now. You are somebody that is a point where you are good at what you're doing. You are technically proficient. You know what you're doing. Do not be a subject matter expert. Start building relationships, start working on all the soft side of the skills that you need to do. How do you influence people? How do you walk into a room and people want to listen to you? How do you sit there at a table with some directors and you know what they're saying is not what they mean? Get those soft skills, start honing them. And then the final person is someone approaching partner. Approaching partner. So that would say, think really carefully that this is what you want to do. This is a step, as I said earlier, you know, this is something that is not bestowed upon you. This is something you need to want because you're going to spend the next 15 years of your life doing this and you're not going to go anywhere else. This is now stopping all your other options. So just be really sure it's what you want. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Climb in Consulting podcast. If you did, I would be very grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast platform of choice, whichever one you may be using. And please also share this with anyone that you think could benefit from hearing today's interview. If you want to get in touch or give me any feedback about the podcast, please feel free to drop me an email. It's nick at climbinconsulting.com and I look forward to hearing from you.